0: Right now, we're in the midst of probably one of the greatest shifts in human history. One um, of the economic shifts that we saw happening 15 years ago. I'm, in the, I'm, I'm also an advisor. I work in the marketplace. 80% of my time is consulting venture capital or private equity funds. Uh, the CEOs or the executive suite. I also work with Hollywood people. And even the musician here in Atlanta. By the way, that was... That, it was, I, think, remember, I, was in, I think I was maybe going to speak on Saturday. And I I couldn't speak on Saturday. And I was going, what's going on? And I think it was because I was supposed to baptize one of Atlanta's, like, top artists. He came to know Jesus. And he asked me yesterday to come and baptize his whole family. And so it was like, I said, I can't believe I'm in the middle of this. And so God's taking me in the marketplace because I really believe that we're supposed to be a church without walls. And, uh, and and so I and I think you know the whole justice thing that's been happening, is confusing to a lot of people because it's showing really how ugly, some of our our, our our thoughts are about other people, especially who are not like us, and who we're not comfortable to hang out with. So some of the ugliness I think is being bubbled up in the midst of the chaos, but. As I was saying, the, the chaotic situation that we're in—it's hard to kind of adjust to it. But have you heard of this thing called the, the lodge pole cone? It's, a, it's kind of a weird thing—lodge pole or pole lodge pine cone. It's also known as like the serotoninous type of uh, seed. And I was researching this, and uh, I'm fascinated by quirky things, you know, like mushrooms and stuff. There's a mycelium network that connects all the trees, and there's stuff, communication going on beneath your feet. You know, there's thousands of miles, like, right underneath your own feet of this connected stuff. So I was just studying about these pine cones. And there's a pine cone seed that's only activated by fire. And it has this thick, gluey-type stuff on the outside. And only when the fire comes, it falls off the tree, and it burns away that gooey stuff, and then the seed roots in. And then it starts to grow. We're in that season. You're called to be activated. Whenever you see fear, uh, or you, you, you feel fear, and you feel displaced, you feel like you don't know what's going down? God's preparing you for growth. If you only focus upon the stress that's in front of you or the anxiety that you have internally, you're going to lose it. Because the three responses that we've we've noticed with sociologists as well as psychologists, the three primary responses to when you have fear or stress is going to be fight, right, or flight, or freeze freeze usually happens with people who've been abused or have gone through severe trauma they just don't know what to do you're probably in one of those positions right now as uh, you talk to anybody across america and the world they're in a situation where they don't really know what to do and they're trying to figure out how do we navigate the landscape and I, i'm and I, i'm going to give you maybe today a contrarian perspective on how to Root into this moment, that God's burned off some of the the stuff on you right now, and he's trying to plant you into something really beautiful, but you have to be able to sit in it. Check out this great passage from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verses 16 through 23. It says, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your eyes because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. But they didn't see it. What What in the world are you talking about, by the way? I mean, Jesus to me was the ultimate Bruce Lee. All right, where you know Bruce Lee, he was just a cryptic in some of the things he said. You know, he's just like it was weird. It's like you know, and a, and a guy would ask him, a, a host, like, uh, "What martial arts do you use?" Because Bruce Lee knew multiple, you know, martial arts, had mar- multiple martial arts skills, and he just says, "It depends." You know, you put water into a cup, it becomes a cup. You put water into a pitcher, it becomes a pitcher. Be water, my friend. It's like, huh? <laughs> Jesus was like this all the time. It was very eastern in his flow. Americans tend to be very direct when they address the ideas, concepts. We want per- people to just, come on, just tell me what it is. You don't want to think. The beauty of eastern culture is that They nuance things. They allow your mind to be caught up into a narrative and into the story. And so if this is the issue, they orbit the issue. Kind of sometimes like your partner does, you know, when you're trying to get a direct answer? (laughs) Like, what are you trying to say? And they just kind of nuance it. That's actually very Eastern. Yeah, so (laughs) you're wondering where that came from. Hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. <laughs> um, but the power of this is Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And the kingdom is a mysterious thing because you've heard theological definitions of it. I mean, there's some commentators have written about this, there's volumes about this. And the technical definition, let's say, is the rule and reign of God on the earth and in the heavens, right? I don't like to define it only like that, because I think it's abstract. People don't get it. You don't even understand what kings really do, unless you've lived in a land like Thailand. And I've lived there, and I know how they revere kings, and how the influence is so strong and permeates the whole culture. They stop every day. At a certain time, you hear something go off, and everybody across the nation stands still. And there's an honoring of the king. You go to a movie theater before every movie, they stop, and then they play a video of the king and everything he does for two minutes. And then you watch how great the king is. So I think the king, dumb, is a place where you have someone who rules over it, but it's mostly supposed to be look like a playground. Not just like some place where we're just like these servants trying to fulfill this really mean king. Jesus God he's the one who's the king that's so gracious and generous generous He's a compassionate one his love never stops. I've been reading Ilia Delio and she's a Franciscan uh, nun who's both a scientist and a theologian and uh, I love how she writes you know if we don't believe maybe some of the, some you know some of the things that she says but when she, talks about the Trinity and about who God is. It just fascinates me. I go, I wish I could talk like her. Because she says, you know, when you think about God the Father, the analogy that best describes him is the waterfall. It's like he's a waterfall of love. It just never stops. That's who God is. It just keeps on coming no matter what you do. It just keeps coming. Come on. You now I get chills thinking about that. That no matter what you do, that his love just keeps pouring on you. It's not going to stop. No matter how broken, screwed up you are. That's a beautiful picture of God the Father. Kingdom of God is a beautiful place. It's a place where a great king who loves us, who's willing to die for his people, and wants us to play and to flourish. Jesus is talking about that, and he says, a lot of you don't even see it, and And a lot of people want to be able to. They long to hear what you hear, but they don't hear it. It says, now listen to their explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. And earlier in this chapter, he had talked about it. And here's like his fuller uh, picture of it to the people who are listening. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seeds that was planted in their hearts. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anybody want to have that type of life? I mean, come on, do you want. Who doesn't want that type of multiplication? That's why I went into venture capital. I said, "Why didn't anybody tell me about this before? That, that there are people who are actually thinking about like 100, 1,000 times whatever you invest. We're looking at 3%, you know, with a fund or with your savings accounts at .002 or something. It's ridiculous. There's, I would like to think like this, like how do I take a seed and multiply times and then a 1,000? If you knew that, what would you do? Man, you go, if you found a guy that knew how to figure that out, you go, man, I want to put my money there. God's breaking it down for you, man, right here. He's telling you how you can take your seed and you can plant it and it can multiply. Because that's what you're thinking right now. How do I do this with the ground that's around me? Like, how do I make this work? And then, what type of ground am I? Which of these four? The first one is a hardened footpath. It says you walk on something over and over again, it gets hard. So this is the person, the Bible says, the, 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 the hard ground. He says that's the person who hears, and they don't understand. They don't get it yet. Sometimes that's not your fault, by the way. Because you weren't ready, and maybe you had trauma going on, and it was hard for you to pay attention. You're just trying to survive. So don't beat yourself up too much. I think a lot of people really want to try to understand. It's just they, and we also know that's the work of the Spirit. And that's important, too, because sometimes we try to beat people over the head about Jesus. And we want our spouses and people to change all around us, and we keep preaching and telling them the same thing over and over again. It's really the work of God to break the soil. There's so many people smarter than us even more spiritual than us, that don't know Jesus. But unless God illuminates them, they cannot understand who Jesus is. So it's not always your fault. Someone has to also spark something, uh, whether it's, you know, it's God or God uses somebody to do that. The second one's the rocky soil. The rocky soil, you, know, you have the rocks around it. There's some glimpses of ground. Um, but the rocky soil still, it says it doesn't work. It says, what's the uniqueness about the rocky soil? Well, it's the person who heard, and they have joy, right? So what's that person? It's the person who kind of hears it, and they kind of get it, and they feel an emotional response. There's something that clicks within them. There's a lot of people like this, but unfortunately, it says that they didn't grow. Nothing really happened. Uh, one of my uh, friends, uh, who's a really good consultant, he said, you know, um, when the, what's important for people to get is that insights can become allusions to transformation. So just because you've got an insight doesn't mean you're transformed. See, when you sit in church, sometimes you go, wow, that was a great message. That was a great point. And so you feel something inside you. Go, Whoa, thank you, God. So you felt it. But what did you do with it? See, there's a lot of this going on. We have a lot of insight type of focus where we're intoxicated by insights. We're drunk with it, but we're really not able to activate what's going down. This is so critical to us because evangelicalism is centered around the Word of God, which it should be. We love the Word, but we've been so focused on the Word of God that we don't know how to live it out. And we think that spiritual development is just deeper knowledge. And then our reaction, our emotion, when we sing, when we do things, and we get all fired up. But you look at people, how they live, and it's really not that different. So there's a lot of people, I think, like this. When we have soil, you know, it's rocky. We, got, we heard it. We got some joy once in a while, but then still doesn't multiply. Then you get the thorny soil. Okay, so thorns, You know, there's more. There's ground all over the place. There's thorns, so that you still can see the texture of the soil. But why doesn't anything grow when it's been planted by God? It says specifically because, like, of wealth and of the worries of life. Anybody got that struggle? You've been worrying about wealth. You've been worrying about things. How you gonna make it? How you gonna do things? What's next for me? We all have a ton of worries. I mean, every one of you, if I went around, you could tell me what your worry is. What's the soil that does well? It says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who, what? Truly hear and understand. There you have the secret. See, they were talking about the kingdom. Okay, Jesus was talking about the kingdom. And they said, if you talk, look at commentators, they said they were thinking future. What was Jesus thinking? Now. Right now. When you think about our eschatology, meaning how we look at last things, you know, we talk about Jesus coming again, can't wait till he comes back again, can't wait till we get to heaven. But Jesus is saying, but the heaven is, can be experienced right now where you are. You don't have to wait till you die. This is an amazing thought. If you really think about this, that as a human being, even though we're broken and flawed and we're screwed up a lot of times, we have our depressions, our addictions, our affections that draw us away from God. God has intervened in such a way, he says, you don't have to wait to experience the fullness of me. You can start to taste that right now. This is so huge because if you're a business person or a mom or, uh, you know, you're working hard, whatever you're doing, it's just, your life's crazy. And you're saying, someday I'm going to really serve God. Someday I'm really going to give my life to God. I can't wait to become a missionary when I'm 65 years old. Why can't you do it now? Why can't you live the fullness of God now, the kingdom of God right now, where you experience this great king who is madly in love with you, Who's this waterfall of love that he's constantly pouring out to you. Why can't you taste and see that? Our soils are hard. They're rocky. They're thorny. We're, we're, all, we're suffocating by all the worries of things around us, and all we see is the chaos. No wonder seeds can't grow. No wonder things can't be activated. The problem is what? Because we don't hear and we don't understand this word understand has the idea of full comprehension it's when you're sitting there and you're soaking in something for a while and it just kind of drips drips into your heart and have you ever had that where you thought about something for a while and you go i got it i finally got it it's like those crazy pictures too that you see and you know there's some type of image in that picture and you're trying to figure it out everybody else sees it but you <laughs> and there's something oh, there it is, and you jump out of your seat and you see that whatever, that old woman or that young woman, whatever it is. Sometimes it just takes some sitting in. But we don't like to sit. We don't like to rest. Whenever you think of a synonym for trust, because we say we trust God, a synonym for trust is rest. If you can't rest, you can't trust. If you have so much anxiety that's saying something's going down in you, and then, again, don't beat yourself up. These are meant, if your body's reacting, it's meant to give you a clue to work on it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't judge yourself. God's using these bodily things just to try to draw you back to him, to lean on him. So this idea of comprehension, I'm going to try to hear God. I'm going to try to understand him. I, I, I met with a... I've been traveling around trying to meet these different spiritual leaders. I've been going to the hot beds of the world. I thought during COVID and before, I said, I don't want to sit. I want to try to understand. And so I go, obviously, God wants me to see things I haven't been seeing. So I travel around. And I ask people different questions. I go, what do you think is the most important thing a Christian should know? I mean, what should be our main thing? And I like this one guy's answer who's seen millions of young people sent out throughout the whole world and has bases all over the place. And he sat in my living room and says, the number one thing Dave that's important to teach young people is how to listen to God. Imagine if you could listen to God. Would your life be any different if you really heard his voice? I was in bed. uh, We've been married for about five years. Uh, I'm married now 38 years. Five years, and I, when I go to bed, my head hits the pillow, I'm out. Rapid eye movement, deep sleep, I'm gone. My wife is much more sophisticated than me. She's very deep. She reflects upon the whole day. So she doesn't sleep for like an hour or so. She's just, her mind just is going through the, everything. So I'm about to go into my deep REM. And... <laughs> And my eyes, I'm sort of twitching behind my eyelids when I'm about to go off into la-la land. When I hear my wife say, Dave, you really don't know me. I said, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I go, this is going to be a long night. (laughs) And I'm so tired. (laughs) And so with... Fear and intrepidation. <laughs> I eked out. Well, what what do you mean? <laughs> well, I don't really think you listened to me. I listened for the next few hours. <laughs> I was in a state of shock. Because if you were to ask me my relationship with my wife that day. I would tell you, she's my best friend, man. Things are great. They're amazing. I was awakened to the fact that she didn't feel that at all. Because when I looked at her eyes, when, she was, when we turned on the lights and I looked at her, I saw a hollowness in her eyes. It scared me. And I remember her, at the end of it all, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Like, I'll, like, if I'm so caught up in something, my body will... I just sighed like, like after we talked for that long duration. And then she says, it's not over yet. (laughs) I took it before the Lord the next day because, again, it was shocking. And I said, God, what are you trying to teach me? And this is what I felt I heard. And, again, I don't want to act like I hear God's voice all the time because I don't. There are moments where I feel like I feel something or I hear something. I heard like, hey, Dave, if you have trouble loving a person you can see, how hard is it for you to love a God you don't see? You know what that taught me? I wasn't listening very well. And if I had trouble listening to my wife, I'd need to penetrate the illusions that I can listen to God well. It was an awakening moment for me. I find myself, um, I'm not sure how you are, maybe in the midst of COVID or if you've gone through tough stuff when you were younger, better days are coming. Better days are coming. The best is yet to come. What if the best is now? What if the best is now? Can you ask yourself that question? What if the best is now? What are you going to do? And then I started digging a little deeper because I'm trying to learn how to sit in things. And I'm asking myself, why am I always this future-oriented? Because a lot of my my training and, and how I do business is all about future vision stuff. And then I felt the Lord just graciously pulled me back to when I was younger. And my mom, you know, I I found her in a car where she was ripping the seat apart with a knife. And she locked herself in in the new Chevy Blazer that she had bought my father. Three police cars pulled up um, in our middle-class neighborhood. And mom was just wrecked. She was weeping uncontrollably. I tried to get her out, but she wouldn't come out. Finally, when the pastor came by, she fell into his arms, opened the door, fell into his arms. She's walking by me. I said, Mom, what's going on? Your dad had an affair. I said, hey, Dad wouldn't do that. I hired a detective. I know he did. My mom was never the same. This vivacious, energetic woman who's and she would walk in the room, she'd fill it. You could feel the atmosphere change. She was so filled with joy. She started drinking. Sometimes she wouldn't come home at night. Eventually, four years later, she'd be killed in a hit and run accident. I was 20. And then when they divorced, I was about 16. I thought about that and I said, oh. That's when I said, someday, I'm not going to live my life like this. And I just started looking forward. It was too painful to be in the present. When you think of kingdom, it's not just heaven. It's right now. No matter what pain and fire you're going through, God is activating something in you. He's helping you see the opportunity. We have so much stuff on these outer layers that are suffocating our vision and our, our ability to breathe. We just cannot move forward because the ground is just too hard. What he's doing is he's breaking the ground up. I close with a, a passage scripture that's an anomaly scripture. It's, you go, what the heck? What does it mean? Once in a while, you'll find verses like that. You go, is that supposed to be there? How in the world did it pass all these guys that said it's supposed to be in the Bible? And um, if you go to Proverbs 14.4, check it out. Proverbs 14.4. This is actually in the Bible. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean but increase or abundance comes by the strength of an ox. Bruce Lee again. <laughs> What's God talking about? What What the heck? Uh, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but increase comes by the strength of an ox. Yeah. What's the ox assigner? that you're plowing the ground for the harvest to come. If you don't have ox in your house, that means you really don't have any hope. You don't maybe have ground to plow. You don't see the vision. You're just in your house and closed up. But that ox in your house says you're plowing some ground. You're expecting some, these seeds to have a great harvest. So if you have an ox in your house, that's got to be careful of my words here, that's cra- um, <laughs> some, some of you guys could use the right word that I'm trying to say, but I can't say it in church. But when that stuff's in the house, that smell, that aroma, that ugly stuff that's nasty, That's a sign that a harvest is about to happen. It's symbolic. That's what he means. So you've been asking God why the confusion, why the pain, why the struggle, why the disorientation. I don't completely know, but I do know the fact that there's a harvest that he's preparing you for. That ox, every ox in one day can plow one acre of ground. One ox. That's crazy. So that big beast that you're dealing with in your life, in your house, causing the messiness, is preparation for the masterpiece, the harvest that he has ahead for you. How does that feel for you? Anybody want to respond? Uplifting. Uplifting. How's it uplifting for you? It's hope. hope. And that's what God wants to give you today, in the middle of everything you have. Anybody else have a thought? Say again. It's 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 all going to be worth it especially for you. What's your name? Dan, you got a leadership gift, man. So don't be paralyzed by stuff, all right? It's really important for you to go after it. You're, you're supposed to run and stuff. Just start doing it. You know, because what happens is when you get stuck, you can't create version ones. You just have to create version ones. There's a book called Rules for Revolutionaries by Guy Kawasaki. He was one of the founders of Apple. And he said they would never have created Apple, the products, unless they had a version one mindset. You just have to start creating something with the expectation that you can change it and make it better. Just start moving. That's you. You're meant to start moving, even though you don't have full understanding. Anybody else? Relief. Relief. And what do you feel relief from? It's a privilege to go through the suffering. Yes, that's right. Can you it? Say again. It's a privilege to go through the suffering for the harvest. What I found is uh, with suffering, whenever um, if you look at your life and you have these desert experiences, right, they're long. They're, the desert will always be longer, harder, and more expensive or costly than you think. That's just the nature of the desert. But the same thing with the whole seed thing is God's burning things off. And I lived in the desert for many years. Arizona's my home. And what I saw was that among, amidst the backdrop of barrenness, what happens is the pops of, of floral colors, this, you just see it better. And you'll notice things that you didn't notice. But if you're kind of stuck and just inside all the time, you're not going to see these unique, brilliant pieces you're supposed to get. But in the middle of the desert, your typical response to it is to, to say, God, help me, which is normal. So we should say that. But then we move to more mature stance where we say, God, help me endure and persevere through this. That's like undergraduate. You know what graduate school level is in the desert when you're going through the disorientation and the heat? It's embrace and then ask God to do this, to give you joy. Watch what happens. Give me joy in the middle of this. He wants to develop this in you because this is the next level. It's because, you know, the Bible says, uh, Jesus says, who for the joy set before him he endured the suffering and the shame. So there was cognitive understanding of the the presence of of his father all around him. And so there was a joy and contentment in that relationship. We can go on all day. May God bless each of you. May you sense like his power in your life. He is so here right now. This to me is one of the most exciting moments i found. I've been traveling the world looking at all the different stuff i been very discouraged you know, before COVID. As soon as COVID hit, I got more excited than ever in my life. I, I said, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. And so maybe, you know, if you're older here, anybody a little bit older, this is your time too. It didn't say uh, you can't put old wine into new wineskins. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. Let the new wine develop their own forms. Don't get so stuck on forms. Forms change. Come on, don't get messed up with the form and the technology. Who cares? You use an analog phone or an iPhone, whatever. 4K or 8K. Dude, how... Don't get messed up with the, the form. But may God bless each of you as the Lord leads you to see things that you never saw before. And as you look in the mirror, may you see your unique imprint to actually live in this moment where you taste heaven right now. May you be able to feel the power of the Holy Spirit, enliven your bodies where when you start to engage people, you see the image of God in everybody. And then may the Lord show you himself, not just through the word of God, but also through people, who he is, because he wants to speak to you. Not just through the word, I believe, but also through one another. May you start to hear him through people's voices and through their actions. May you be able to hear him as you watch children play. May you be able to hear him when you just start engaging the people around you in a way where you're fully present. And you're not just thinking about the future or stuck in the past. May you see that the kingdom of God is now. May God bless you to pursue this magical life we know to follow Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit.